0: Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see everybody out. We want to begin a new series this morning, a a group of messages from the life of Joseph. So if you're not familiar with that wonderful and exciting Old Testament story, I want to encourage you to do do some homework and read the stories because we're going to cover not so much individual stories, but many principles from his life. And so that way, you'll, you'll know what we're talking about, and we don't have to, you know, um, unwind everything for you. So if you would, let's start out Genesis 39 and verse 23. We're going to look at one verse, then we'll get to our text. And we're simply going to have some themes and principles from the life of Joseph. And this is kind of a, a background verse for the entire story. Because he's going to go through ups and downs and, you know, but the whole time. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. Because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. You can be in the worst of circumstances, but the Lord will be with you if you're with him. Amen? Amen. If you'll take the high road, God will bless you. Even if you're in situations you didn't ask for and they came about by the ugliness of man, God says, even in that, if you'll take the high road, I'll bless you and I'll let you be a blessing. All right, let's go to Genesis um, 37. And the Bible says Jacob lived in the, um, in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bila and the sons of Zippah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, or Jacob, he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made him a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said, listen to the dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf arose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told his brothers, listen. I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Amen. I want to cover five things about the life of Joseph this particular message a couple of weeks on the overview of joseph's life but we're going to spend probably a good couple of months on themes and principles from his life so read ahead and stick with us we want to cover five things about the life of joseph number one we're going to see in these next couple of weeks that the life of joseph was pivotal pivotal he had an effect on those around him he was an agent of change an agent of turning He was pivotal. You make a pivot, you turn. And his life caused lives to turn, situations to turn. He was pivotal, providential, providential. He was prosperous. The Lord was with him. You know, you can prosper even when man lies about you. You can prosper even when people accuse you falsely. That's what happened to Joseph. Every time he turned around, somebody was doing him wrong, but the Bible says, but God was with him, and he was blessed. Amen? I mean, man can't keep you from being blessed. When God wants to bless you, just go ahead and let him bless you. Amen? Man can't stop that. He was prosperous. He was pure. He was pure. What a beautiful example. He was pure. The hardships didn't embitter him. The temptations didn't seduce him. He was pure. Finally, when he got elevated, it didn't give him a big head and spoil him. Joseph was pure. And Joseph's life was prophetic. It spoke of the one that was to come. It gave an example of the one that's even greater than Joseph. So we look at this story and we see the life of Joseph gives you an eye. It's a fascinating story about a young boy who rose out of slavery. Become the premier of the greatest land in the face of the earth. And as we study the life of Joseph, we'll see in him a picture of the Lord Jesus. You see, Jesus, Joseph, like Jesus, was greatly loved of his father, yet hated and envied by his brothers. He was plotted against and sold as a slave. Jesus was sold for the price of a slave. Arrested unjustly and made to suffer. But then... He went from suffering to glory and became the savior of the very people who had rejected him. You see, the goal, God's goal for all of us, for all of his children, are that we become like his son, be conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus. Now, the goal, of course, is glorious, but unfortunately, the process can be painful. The process of becoming the one God desires us to be. I mean, there's stretching and there is um, smoothing and there's breaking and there's building and there's testing and there's trying. And both Jesus and Joseph, they had to suffer before they entered into their glory and into the place they were ordained to be. As we read through, let's notice that Joseph's dreams were to him what God's Word is to us. They gave him an assurance. They gave him a hope. Something he needed when the going got rough. When things get hard, he could remember the dreams that God had given him. Just like in our life, when the path God leads us down gets hard and rough, and sometimes things don't seem like they're working the way we thought, we can lay hold of the good promises of God's Word. Even when things and circumstances don't seem to be flowing with what we thought God had and things are not making sense, we can go back to that thing which is unchangeable and certain. And we can grab hold of a good promise from the Word of God and know that if God said it, He will do it. And if God spoke it, He'll bring it to pass. And you and I, like Joseph, we can be going through situations and wonder, Lord, how did we get here? Why are You leading us? I don't understand it. But but instead of allowing confusion to swamp us and overwhelm us, we can go to the B-I-B-L-E and find a good promise, stand firmly upon it and say, Lord, I'm going to thank You in advance, because if You said it, You're going to do it, and I put my trust in Thee. Can you say amen? Amen? Joseph is valuable to us not only as a picture or a portrait of Jesus, but also as a model for Christians that really want to live a godly life. And remember again, he's in Egypt throughout this story. He's in a spiritual foreign place. He's a captive, a slave. Surrounded by the ungodly. He's certainly a minority in every way. Yet he functions continually at a high level both spiritually and professionally. And most people work in the world. You're not in a church. You're working with the ungodly. And when you think of the lives of men like Joseph and Daniel, they should bring a great encouragement to your faith. Because both of them were in a foreign place spiritually. They had to live and and serve and work among the ungodly. Yet they stood tall. They lived consistent. And God blessed them and made them a blessing in the midst of it all. So know this day, you might work around a bunch of heathen. You might be around people that are trying to set you up and trip you up. But know that you know, you're not alone, even in that foreign place. The Lord is with you. And if you'll put Him first, He'll honor you. If you choose to take the high road, He'll exalt you in due season. I just ran into someone the other day. A friend of mine, and he saw me. We began talking, and he's going through it. He's going through a rough patch, and he's really getting the kitchen sink thrown at him a lot of things. Things are unkind and unfair. And I said, listen, I'm just starting a serious on Joseph. And one thing I can encourage you with, if you'll take the high road, God will make sure in the end you're exalted. If you take the high road, others might lie about you. You might be in places wondering how does this work out in the plan of God. But if you just choose regardless of what they say and what they fabricate, make up your mind, you're going to take the spiritual high road regardless of what. In the end, God will honor you and God will defend you and God will vindicate you. Somebody give Jesus a praise. Hallelujah! Oh my Lord, this is where Christianity is. Not just shouting on a Sunday morning, but being able to live out in that world and shine like stars in the brilliant of the night. The life of Joseph is a great encouragement, a great example. Since his steadfast, continual trust in God, And His persistence in doing the right thing, even when the right thing is not easy or comfortable or popular. But eventually, it leads to His triumph and His vindication. He gives you and I a picture, an example of the triumph of faith. And the triumph of faith comes through an enduring and a persevering. It's a faith that endures and perseveres to that place where God finally exalts and God finally vindicates. I think the greatest of characteristics of Joseph must be his absolute faithfulness to God under all circumstances. And it's through this that God worked in and through his life so powerfully and so wonderfully. Joseph never yielded to the world's philosophy of when in Rome, do like." No, 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 no. You're a Christian. When in Rome, do what Jesus would do. When in Rome, say what Jesus would say. When in Rome, live like Jesus would live. And let the world see someone shining the light of reality of who a child of God. Come on, say amen. Oh, Lord have mercy. Oh, no. No. We cannot allow our circumstances, our challenges, or our company to dictate our behavior. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. Our behavior is controlled by our commitment to Jesus Christ. It doesn't change because of circumstance. It doesn't change because of where I'm at or who I'm around. But there is a consistency. There is a sincerity. It comes by saying, as from me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We serve Him in our home. And we're going to serve them at Walmart. We're going to serve him in the restaurant. We're going to serve them on the ball field. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. And I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. He loved me. He forgave me. He transformed me. He's worth everything or He's worth nothing and I'm not ashamed of Him. And I'm going to serve Him and let my world know this thing is real. Can you say Amen? this world is looking for reality. They got enough people that go to First Baptist, Second Assembly, Third Presbyterian, but live like the devil when they're out there on the workforce. They're looking for someone that's real. They're looking for a life that is truly born from above. There's people out there that want to get saved, but they've looked for some reality and all they've seen is inconsistency and hypocrisy. But oh friend, if we make up our mind, Lord, wherever you drop me, I'm going to live pure and I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live with honesty. I'm going to live with integrity. I'm going to walk in love. And I'm going to walk in the peace that passes understanding. It will make up our minds to live that way. There are people all around that are looking and they're waiting. And they're going to say, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want more than religion. I want more than just playing a game of Bible Belt. I want to meet a God that can really give me a new heart. I want to meet a Savior that can really make me a new creature. And he uses you and I as a witness and a testimony that that God is alive and that God is well. And you can know him like we know him. Somebody say, Amen. amen. My Lord, have mercy. Oh, God, help me. Someone say, Side This is my norm. I just, I've just been living. My oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm telling you, get excited about the Lord. Everyone, you all get to an altar. God, I want to get out excited. I don't want to act dead. Amen. Oh, God's too good to act dead. Isn't that right? He's too good to be, you know. No, no, no. Go out with a blaze, brother. Oh, out with a blaze. This thing is real. Come on. Come on. It's real. It's real. It's real. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Bless His name. The greatest characteristic. That absolute faithfulness. Joseph was far from home, unjustly treated. Yet, through it all, we can recognize and write down that he morally was not for sale. Don't be for sale morally. Regardless of where you are or what life's throwing at you, your morality is not for sale. We see that spiritually, he had a continual God consciousness, it got him in trouble. It got him thrown in prison and falsely accused. Because when the temptation came, his response was, how can I do such a thing and sin against God? God, what God? Your God doesn't live here. Your God's a thousand miles from here. We've got a lot of gods. That gods don't care what we do. They don't care about our morality. What do you mean, God? But all oh, this Joseph knew, wherever I am, God is there. Whatever I'm doing, God is a witness to this. He said, how can I do such a thing? and sin against God, oh my Lord. And we see that Joseph had a God consciousness wherever he went. And we also see that wherever he winds up, Joseph brings blessing. Amen? He didn't bring agita. He, he didn't bring strife. He didn't bring frustration. No matter where he went, he didn't have a pity party. He didn't mumble and grumble. He got accused. He got imprisoned. He got forgotten. But through it all, wherever Joseph was, God was there and And the blessing of God was there. Oh, Lord, let us be a people that wherever You put us, Lord, we bring the blessing of heaven into a lost and hurting world. We bring the hope of heaven into a desperate and discouraged universe. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Joseph never complained and Joseph never compromised. And the result was that Joseph never lost his place or his power with God. No, 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 no. I mean, some people lose it if, you know, over the smallest things. Through the kitchen. Your brothers sell you into slavery. So you think you got family problems. Hey, hey, hey. His brother sold him as a slave. I'll be mean, like that. Amen? The people he helps, they conveniently forget about him. He helps them get, you know. He lives holy for God. And so he gets falsely accused. And thrown. You really? Really? Wow. Oh, that's enough to make you want to lose it, huh? But not Joseph. He just kept living. And God kept blessing. Glory be to God forevermore. Dr. Boyce writes about Joseph. He was loved and hated. He was favored and abused. He was tempted and trusted, exalted and abased. Yet... At no point in the 110-year life of Joseph did he ever seem to get his eyes off God or cease to trust Him. Adversity did not embitter him or harden his character. Prosperity did not spoil or ruin him. He was the same in private as he was in public. Dr. Boyce writes, he was a truly great man. And you know, again... A truly great example for you and I. Living in a real world. With real problems. In real situations. And Joseph liked Daniel. They lived. And they functioned. And they excelled. See, so you can excel doing it God's way. You can get promoted doing it God's way. They excelled in the world's atmosphere. Yet they kept their character. And their testimony. Oh, blessed be his name. An overview of Joseph's life. Number one, Joseph's life was pivotal or it was influential. His life had a great effect on those around him. In fact, Joseph was crucial to the Old Testament story. He's kind of a link between Genesis and Exodus. From Israel being a family of about 70 to a great nation of about a million. Joseph, when he's sold into slavery by his brothers, he ends up in Egypt. Now, his family's still back in Canaan land when Joseph finally comes to power some 13, 15 years later. And then a terrible, terrible famine strikes the whole area. And the only place to get food, Egypt. Where because of Joseph, the dreamer, the interpreter, there was food and then some. Because God had placed and prepared And position his servant at just the perfect place at the perfect time. Don't get so frustrated when God leads you in ways you don't quite get. Just know that it's the Lord and trust Him and love Him. God just might be placing you and positioning you and preparing you for something marvelous, something wonderful, something strategic that God sees coming and none of us would ever imagine it. So just know, walk with the Lord. Let Him order your steps. Give Him praise in the good times. Give Him praise in the bad. Be consistent wherever He is. Lift him up, love those that are around you, but know that you know when you walk with this great God. He orders our steps. He works things together for the good, and He'll be placing and positioning your life if you let Him, so that He can use you, and your life can be pivotal or influential in the earth. Pivotal: a person, a thing, a factor having a major, central role or effect. Pivot turns. You're going to pivot, right? You pivot. You're going to turn. You're going to turn from good to are going to turn. His life had a very positive influence on his surroundings and the people that were there. A turning effect for the good. Our lives carry great influence. Your life, whoever you are, carries great influence. You're made in the image of God, his likeness. Great influence. And our presence and our words, our choices, our example, has an influence, an effect on our world. The ripple effects of our lives matter. Joseph's life was pivotal, influential, and so is yours. So let God have it. And let God use it for something positive in the earth. Remember, and don't ever forget, someone is watching you. Someone is counting on you. In your life, someone will be affected by your life. The question is, Lord, how will my life affect those you've brought around me? Matthew 5 and 16. Matthew 5 and 16. Very simple verse. Jesus said in the same way, Let your light shine. Let it shine before men that they may see, underline see, that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus, live in such a way that they will see the goodness of God in your life. They'll see the reality of God in your life. They'll see and be moved by the example of a sincere follower of the true and living God. Let them see and be affected. By the way you live and the way you walk and the way you talk. May our lives have a good and godly effect and influence on others. May we always remember that our lives are pivotal. And I always have to ask myself, Joe, which way are you turning others? We have to watch the effect we're having on people. I read about the air traffic um, controller strike back in the 80s, and an author was at an airport, and he said, "I witnessed a hostile executive just badgering and bullying this young kid that was um, a baggage handler, moving as quick as he could, but there was a strike on, so things weren't flowing smoothly and efficiently." And finally, the author said, "When I got to the poor kid, I just tried to encourage him, give him some empathy for having to put up with, with, with such a, you know, pretty much such a jerk." And um, the, the baggage handler replied, "Oh, don't worry, sir. I've already taken care of him." And the author said, "What do you mean?" And the baggage handler said, "Well, you see, he's going to Chicago, but his bags are on their way to Miami." Amen. I'm telling you, you gotta <laughs> you better watch what effect you're having on people. Amen. <laughs> That's not the effect you want to have. Amen. Let me give you some Bible examples of those that had an effect on their world. We think of Abraham, the father of them that believe, and what a marvelous eternal effect he had on his family. And as fathers, we have an effect on our families. He led them out of the old, and He led them into God's land, into God's promise. He left the world and he chose to follow the living God and to live for this God and to serve this God. He heard God's voice and he made a choice. And his choice, oh, what an eternal effect it's had on the world. He made a choice to forsake the world to forsake the old and forsake these temporal things and to follow and begin a new way of life and a new way of thinking and a new way of living. One man's faith and choice to change. To live and to walk to talk differently. To follow after the true and living God. His choice. Wow, what an influence. What an effect he had on his sons and his daughters and those that followed him. We think of David. What an influence that man of God had upon his friends. Upon his friends. David was like a great athlete. I don't know, I, I like sports. If you want to know, a great athlete elevates those that he plays around. That the Jordans elevate those that are part of their team. You might be a B. If you get with him, you become a B plus. They elevate. They have an influence that lifts people up to a greater place just by the way they carry themselves and they go about their business. So David, oh, how he influenced his followers. He influenced, he affected those around him. He was pivotal. He took a group of men in similar circumstances. Remember, they're on the run. They're wanted men. They're in a cave. They're being hunted. They're being hounded. And all these men came to David. The more they were, I talk about broke, busted, and disgusted, the Bible says, the Bible says, they were in debt. They were distressed. I mean, they, they were failures. They felt forsaken. They felt like they had lost it. But praise God, after spending some time with David, though they came to one way, they didn't stay that way. If you know the Bible, these are the very ones that, that the Bible says became the mighty men of David. They came to him discouraged. They came angry and bitter by life, wanting to give up, frustrated. But when they got around a man of influence, a man whose faith was contagious, they didn't just get embittered and give up. They became men of faith and rose up. And they were the ones that brought David into his kingdom and defeated the enemies of the Lord. Friend, I want you to watch who you hang around. Young people especially. Watch who you hang around. Get around people that will elevate you, that will encourage you, that will challenge you on in godliness and in holiness. It's true, I like to say it, but it's true. Don't expect you can't soar with the eagles if you're always trotting with the turkeys. Somebody say amen. You just can't do it. Watch who you're around. Watch who you're around. And get near someone's going to encourage you for good things. Get around someone that's going to challenge you to serve God and to love God and to live wholeheartedly for that which is right and precious and true. Blessed be His name. We think of Abraham and the influence he had on his family. We think of David and the wonderful influence he had on his friends. We think of Nehemiah. The wonderful influence he had on his nation. He had on his brethren. I don't know if you remember that story. But he was pivotal in rallying the troops. And attacking the problem. That for so long had discouraged them. And defeated them. And mentally, mentally enslaved them. They had become acclimated and defeated. They had accepted the status quo. I had a mentor of mine. He used to say, what's the status quo? That's the mess you're in. (laughs) They accepted the status quo where for almost a century and a half, the walls of God's city had laid waste. It made Jerusalem open to attack. It made Jerusalem something laughed at, something defiled. The enemy just kind of mocked at it because it had no walls. It had no protection. It had no strength. It had no honor. But it had been that way so long that people just accepted it. You know, some people get in such a low point that after a while they just get used to it. But it takes someone sometimes just to come up and say, hey, don't have to be like this. You know, Nehemiah was um, just a man, just one man. But he got a burden when he heard. He didn't even live there. But when he heard of the condition of God's city in that wall, he rose up and he said to those around him, listen, it doesn't have to be this way. God will help us if we come together if we work together, if we get serious about this, we can rebuild what's been broken. We can restore that which the enemy has tried to destroy. And they did. One man, one man that stood up and had the burden of the Lord and began to touch those around him and inspire their troops. One man moved the entire nation to rise up and they did. And they faced the challenge. They faced the odds. They overcame the enemy. They were more than conquerors. And this wall that had brought shame to the name of the Lord for a Century and a half. Within two months they had rebuilt it and the glory and the honor was back to God's city because one man made up his mind. Listen, I want to affect my world. I want to rally the troops. I want to be a force for good. I want to inspire people. Get on fire for Jesus. I want to inspire people. Give your life for that which is eternal. Don't let the enemy fool you and waste so much time on that which doesn't matter. But get excited about what Jesus has done. Get excited. He's coming back to earth again. Get excited. This world's not our home. We're just passing through. Get excited. While we're here, you've got a work to do. And you got a work to do. Don't just go to sleep. Put your hand to the plow and let God use you and anoint you for such a time as this. And I have to ask, and we always have to ask, Lord, how am I affecting Am I dragging them down? Am I lifting them up? Am I just adding to the excuse of subpar living? Or am I inspiring and encouraging to believe for something better? To achieve something better? Attempt something greater? Joseph's life was pivotal. Influential. He had a positive effect on his world and those that were around him. Number two, Joseph's life was providential. Providential. From two Latin words, providence. Two Latin words, pro-video, to see before, to see before. In our terminology, it means how God not only sees before, but He works, He orchestrates, He guides, He navigates. The life of Joseph was directed by the divine care, guidance, and orchestration of the living God. The Lord had ruled and overruled, orchestrated, navigated by the hand of His God. David writes in Psalm 3115, My times are in your hands. What a beautiful perspective. Lord, my times are in your hands. They're not in the world's. It's not in some chance. My times are in your hands. And certainly at times, we that know the story, Joseph may have hated the situations he was in. He might have wondered about God's purposes. But eventually, his life was an example of the rule of God's providence in the life of his servants. God took the darkest of events and used them as stepping stones to move Joseph into his position into his place and into his promotion even when joseph couldn't understand what god was doing the lord was still at work oh someone you might not see it you might not understand it that which you really thought it just didn't but oh if you're a child of god just keep trusting and keep leaning the lord is working the lord is working and he's working for you can you say amen oh joseph 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 God was arranging and directing the situation, even when it seemed like God was so far away. And in the end, Joseph realized, God, God, You had worked all things together for good. And one of the keys in this man of God's life was he had the right perspective. He saw God working and ruling. He saw God even using man's ugly. Even using the negative. Ultimately, bring his desire for Joseph to pass. Because he had this perspective, it helped Joseph to stay faithful when I know at times he had to be weary. It helped Joseph to stay pure at times when I know he must have wondered, is it worth it? It certainly helped him to stay positive and expecting when the dream and the promise seemed so far out of reach. Let's look at what Joseph said. Genesis 45. Genesis 45. This is when he finally reveals himself to his brothers years later. But I want you to see his, Joseph's perspective on what's going on. I don't know if I'm going to say God was in this thing if my brother sell me as a slave. I, you know what I mean? I, I think the devil got a hold of him. And I, you know, I mean, I, I don't. my mindset. But Joseph is teaching us something here. Where our natural man wouldn't respond like this but he's showing us how faith responds. He says to his brothers, now, now don't be distressed. He's the premier now. Last time you saw me, <laughs> you wanted to kill me. One of you had enough to spare me, but you sold me as a slave. <laughs> oh, oh. And now I'm, I'm next to Pharaoh. And you're at my, mur- you know, I'm, you know. maybe you would never have thought anything negative, but it might have crossed my mind at least once. I'll give him something. Amen. I, I, got, you know, I know you're too holy for that, but that's all right. I know, I know you better. I know you better. And now, do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Think about that. Because it was to save lives that God sent me. Man, that didn't look like God. That didn't feel like God. You know the story. Right? Right? Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Wow. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. For the next five years, there will be no plowing, reaping. But God, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Hallelujah. So then. It was not you who sent me here but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of the entire household and ruler of Egypt. Wow. This perspective. God was in control. God was over. God had used even their ugliness. In Genesis 50:19 and 20. Some years later after this, Jacob finally dies. And, you know, the guys think, all right, listen, dad is dead. He's going to kill us now. All right, he's just been acting good because dad was alive. And, you know, he was behaving. Your dad's around. You behave better when dad's around. But now now, now dad's no longer around. And we, our goose is cooked. So they just go and throw themselves at his feet. We'll be your servants. And Joseph says, hey, hey, Joseph says, don't, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. Yeah, you intended to harm me. You intended to malign my character. You intended to turn people against me. You intended to, to lie. But God took your ugliness. God used your bitterness. God intended it for good to accomplish. So it don't make sense. Hey, does Calvary make sense? God took the ugliness of the devil and the ugliness of men. And he made it the and cry for our salvation. Oh yeah. When the Son of God is naked hanging between heaven and earth on a cross beaten, bloodied, and bruised. Somebody would say, how could God be in that? Yeah, when you're looking from one angle, all you can see is men jeering and devils rejoicing. But God was working and God was ruling and over and through it all. But God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. His life is providential. In your life, when you walk with God, providential. God's in control. Even man's ugliness, God can turn to bless you. Even the negative things of life, God can use to improve you and to strengthen you. You hang with me. You hang with me. And I want us to note, God was not just at work in the physical positioning and promoting of His Son. But God was at work in the practical preparing of His servant. Now, we miss this one at times. You see, God works in circumstances, but He also wants to work in our character. God uh, works in the events, but He also wants to work in our hearts and in our skills. Joseph had had a dream, a vision, a word from God. A calling. Joseph had it long before he had the ability to walk in it. This is where we miss it. God will give you a dream. You're going to tell 25 people. They're going to buy you a suit. And they're going to, you know, woo hoo throw you a party. But then once that process of preparation begins, half the people quit. Dream never came to pass. And that dream was God. But we forget God's not just working in the circumstance. He's working in the servant. He's melting and He's molding and He's maturing. And if I don't endure the process, I'll never get the prize. If I jump off the potter's wheel every time it's unfair or it's uncomfortable, I'll never get to the place where God can trust me and God can use me. Come on. Stick with me. Stick with me. I want to finish this up, but I don't have time for this next week. Joseph had a dream long before he was ready to really walk in it. And before God could use him, You wonder why sometimes we go through things. We sing songs like, Make me like you, Lord. Make me like you. And then God begins to work in our lives and we want to yell. Why me, God? God said, I heard you singing yesterday. (laughs) You said, you know, you said make me like You want to be like Jesus, my son. So I got to... He forgave people. So someone's going to do you ugly so you can learn to forgive people. Right? God... Joseph had to be prepared, Joseph had to be purified, and Joseph had to be forged to become the man, the leader, that he had the potential to become, but was not yet, and that his assignment would demand one day. Hallelujah. Leaders have to have their skills developed and their character deepened. And even things like their, their, their communication um, sharpened and smoothed. For Joseph, he needed time to mature him, he needed trials to strengthen him, and then ultimately, he needed God to anoint him and to bless him and to do what only God could do. He needed, number one, time to mature him. Joseph labored for some 13 years in obscurity long before he was ready or qualified for what God was talking about in these dreams. Long before he was ready to fulfill his purpose. So I say, listen, don't waste time. And don't waste trials. But always ask yourself, am I learning from this? Am I growing through this? Am I changing because of this? Am I maturing through this? I don't want to look back and say, I was more spiritual five years ago. I was born five. No, 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 no. What has this testing and this time of God's dealings done in me? Has it made me more ready, more in love with Jesus, or has it? Thirteen years of ups and downs, of breaking and building, of God's power and man's pain, of being forgotten, of being remembered, of being lied about, of being vindicated, of being, of being matured. Age and maturity are not the same thing. He needed time to mature. He needed trials to strengthen him. Don't curse every negative situation. Because the path of least resistance typically doesn't make us stronger. Gold is purified only after it passes repeatedly through the fire. Diamonds are created only after enduring the pressure. Had Joseph stayed at home, the privileged son, get ready, he probably would have wound up being as pampered as he ever was. Chances are he never would have got the medal in him to take on the task he was called to do. Had he stayed at home, the pampered son, Never would have become the man God intended him to be. Psalm 105 seeks of Joseph and it says how these trials put metal, iron in his soul. And leaders, useful vessels are formed only through trials. God ordained trials. Properly responded to they Make us stronger and pure. Humble and grateful. Useful. James 1, 2-4. I know some of you older saints, we know this, we've memorized this. But younger ones, you want to remember this one. Consider it joy, not a laughing matter, but considering it something beneficial is what it means. Instead of cursing it and starting to talk like someone that doesn't know God, why didn't God do this to me? After a while, you walked them 50 years. You shouldn't talk foolish. Isn't that right? Isn't that true? Come on. Isn't that true? Don't talk like you just got saved. Talk like someone's walked with God a few years. Isn't that right? And it's something terrible you see a 25-year-old talking like an 8-year-old, right? In the spirit. But consider it something actually beneficial when you face trials of different kinds. They come in different times, different forms, different, different intensities, different longevities. Because you know this, and what, you know this, the testing of your faith. My faith gets tested, your faith gets tested. All of our faith gets tested. The testing of your faith develops a perseverance. Amen. I like that. Right? Remember, weebles wobble, but they don't. They don't fall down. Amen. Perseverance. We take it. We stand back up. We get lied about. We keep on singing. We get knocked by a bad doctor's appointment. But we get back and keep on pressing on. We know the testing of our faith develops a stick to itness. Most of you, you're here today, not because life's been trouble free, but you have learned to persevere, regardless of what life throws against you. Amen? That's why you, that's why you didn't backslide when so-and-so backslid. That's why you didn't leave your marriage when someone else left their man. Oh! i go going on another service. My Lord. Is this alright? My God, help me. I feel it. I, I, all oh, mine is all over me. Mine's all over me. My Lord have mercy. Develop perseverance. What does perseverance do? Now it has to finish its work. But the goal is that we might become mature. Joseph's going to be number two to Pharaoh. Spoiled little kid with daddy's pretty coat at 13 that couldn't help but tell everyone I had a wonderful dream. He's not ready to run a nation. How many know that? And sometimes we can tend to spoil them. God says, i got to get them somewhere where I can make them. You see what I mean? Yeah. They mature us and make us complete. The trial will work on things we wouldn't want to work at on our own. Amen? I'm always, I'm going to work on the fastball. I don't want the curveball. I mean, I look ugly with sitting in the curveball. It gets me off balance. Coach is going to say, you're going to hit curveballs until the cows come home so you can hit that curveball and hit it where I tell you, I don't like it. I'm not good at it. That's why you're going to work on it. Come on. Isn't it right? And we don't, we don't, I don't want to do that. I'm not good at it. God says, that's why I'm going to make you do it. it makes me complete. Not lacking anything. Because again, he's getting to the place That his calling will require. Mm -hmm. I have to be worked on. For something down the road. That I'll have to be able to handle. Let's make me be chair complete. Not lacking anything. Hallelujah. I'm going to stop. God help us. If you're going through a trial. Remember. Remember. God's way is always best. God's timing is always perfect. And God's grace is always sufficient. Amen? Can I say that again? Maybe you're going through something. You feel like Joseph in the pit. Maybe someone that should have lifted you out the one that pushed you in. Amen? And you know, it's frustrating and it can get you angry. And it can. And in the natural, it can. That's very normal. But yet, we look beyond the natural and we recognize, Lord, You are still in control of my life. I'm not a Jonah. I'm serving You. So if You allow this to happen, You can use even the ugliness of men to work in me and to work through me. So Lord, I don't know why I'm in this pit. I don't know why, you know, the doctor said that. I don't know why I'm facing this, but I know you're with me. Amen? And I know You're for me. And I know You will bring me through it. That I know. That I know. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I know You will. Amen? Because God, Your way is best. God, Your timing is always perfect. And Your grace is sufficient. Amen? You're leading me the best way. Lord, You're leading me. You know better. Your timing. You know when. Hey, listen. We say this on Wednesday nights, but I want you to get this. Whenever God puts you Whenever God puts me, His child, through the fire, He always has His eye on the clock and His hand on the thermostat. but so He knows how much heat you can take and He knows how long you can bear it. And just when God says, you're ready, ding! Whew. And until then, His grace will be sufficient for you. That means you can make it until. Amen? You can make it. Someone say, I can make it. Oh, until you can. This is grace is sufficient. Amen. Alright, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Uh, I know that went a little long, but there was so much in there. There's so much in there. And we need to get that. We need... The life of Joseph is exciting. The life of Joseph is full of so many rich principles for a real world. Amen? Anyone here ever got the short end of the stick? Yeah? then Joseph is for you. Amen? Anyone over here got, got, got the short end for doing the right thing? Ha <laughs> yeah! And then Joseph is for you. And God's going to work in your life like He did in Joseph's. Hallelujah. We're going to pray our prayer and open the altar. So if you're here today and you would like prayer, you can just come and stand and we'll pray for you. Whatever you need. If it's physical, if it's something on the job... If it's spiritual, we would love to pray for you. If you just want to come and pray, that's what the altars are for. So that before you go, you can just come and talk to the Lord and pour out your heart to God. We ask ourselves this morning, number one, I always want to ask, am my heart right? Am I right? If you're here today and you've not received the Lord, well, come. Receive Jesus. Give Him your life. If you're here today and maybe, I don't know, You've gone through some things and maybe you know, things aren't quite right. Well, come and make them right. That's all. He's full of mercy. He's a compassionate God. But just respond to it. And for the rest of us, it's important for us to remember to have the right perspective on the world that's fallen. So I could respond like Joseph with a right attitude to sometimes very potentially embittering situations. So I want to step back and say, am I, am I, do I have the right perspective for what I'm facing right now? And if not, Lord, help me to spend some time just remembering you're in control. You're working it out. Even the ugliness of men. Amen? All right. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray, Father, help us to continue to learn and be inspired by the life of Joseph. Help us to see life through the eyes of faith and spiritual understanding. Help us, Father, to be consistent and faithful in our Christian witness and in our Christian testimony. Wherever we are, Lord, wherever we are, wherever Your hand has led us, Father, use us like Joseph. Let us be a blessing to our surroundings. Use us to speak to others. Use us to shine the light and bring glory to Your name regardless of where we're at. And now I pray, Father, as we come to this altar, Father, in the name of Jesus, please heal those that are hurting. I'll be coming in and that arthritis is terrible. Lord, as they come for prayer, let things begin to alleviate. Let pain begin to subside. Father, as we pray, let those who need a physical touch receive Your divine healing touch. And I pray that there would be a calm. A calm upon a life today that is just fretting and anxious. They know they shouldn't, but they're just struggling. and they're They're stirred up on the inside and they just need the peace and the calm of the Spirit just to give them rest in their heart. Lord, I pray if they would just come and lay that burden, lay that fear honestly before You. That You would just fill them with a supernatural comfort in their hearts. Just to walk on, knowing and trusting and leaning on Your hand. And Father, I pray just encourage hearts, Lord. You know all of us are in this fight of faith. All of us are facing things one way or the other. And Lord, as we go about this next week, let us go encouraged. You're with us and you're for us. And no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And you are and you will work out all things for the good. And we will give you praise. And all God's people said, let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer or you just like to come and pray, come, come and let God work in your life. Hallelujah.